So we are, are going through a new series here called Love Walked Among Us. We started last week, and the idea of the series is this, is God is love. He's not like this uh, weird, like, all, everything that is love is God. That, that's not God. God, in his character, shows love so much that John could say God is love. And we know that Jesus is the embodiment of God. And so God, Jesus, walked among us. And so if Jesus walked among us, love walked among us. And so we're going through this series, and we're looking at kind of the movements of Jesus. We're, we're taking time to look closer at the text, stuff that we usually gloss over. Now, but we're going to stop, and we're going to look at and see if Jesus did this or that, what does that say about his character? What does that say about what he's like? So if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's sermon... Uh, go back and listen to it. It's only almost an hour long, but you should still <laughs> go back and listen to it. It tells this beautiful story of Jesus uh, and, and a crowd with Jesus encountering another uh, crowd that was uh, in a funeral procession, and Jesus seeing this widow who her son uh, had just died and who the funeral was for. And Jesus seeing this widow and singling her out in a good way and being stirred with compassion for her, which moved him to helping her and caring for her. And we're going to see that this pattern of love in Jesus is common throughout the Gospels. Time and time again, we're going to see that Jesus sees someone, that he's stirred to compassion or with compassion for that person, and then he, he moves to caring and helping for helping that person. And so we're going to look again at a picture of, of that today. Uh, but we're going to see how sometimes I think we get in the way of, of what Jesus is doing. And so I'm going to ask a question. So if you weren't here last week, uh, this series might be weird for some of you, but it shouldn't be that weird. Uh, we're going to ask different questions. Like we're going to ask questions for the audience to answer. Oh, audience, sorry, for the congregation, for you guys to answer. I promise I see you as people. Uh, and we're going to ask you guys. Uh, for, uh, I used to be in drama. That's my problem in high school. So, uh, but we're going to ask you questions, and we're going to give you guys space to answer those questions. And here's why. is because I could tell you all these things about Jesus, but I want us to find these things about Jesus together. Like Vince talked about last week, we can know a lot about Jesus, but not know him personally. And so I think through these questions and talking through it a bit more, it will help us to discover and know Jesus personally. And so I'm going to ask a question right now, and, and I'm going to be honest, this might be a hard question for some of you. If there are things that are hard for you in your past that make it hard for you, uh, I, you, you could step out now. I know that's awkward. There's not going to be any judgment here or, or whatever, um, but you might want to step out now because I'm going to ask a question that's hard for some. But you might be saying, well, why even ask it then? And here's why. is because the question, I think, will ha help a lot of us in the room to develop more empathy. It will help a lot of us in the room to understand how Jesus sees people. And it will help us to understand how, what, what sort of uh, um, consequences our actions have sometimes. 
And so here's the question. Have you ever been treated like an object? And if you have, what did it feel like? So if you feel like you have been treated like an object before, what did, what did, what did that feel like? You shout one word answers or more, but what did it feel like to be treated like an object? Used. Not human. Degrading. Degrading. All good answers. Used, degrading, non-human. So what we're going to see today is a person who is treated like an object. And then this is what we're going to see, is that, that judging blocks compassion. So as much as we can look at Jesus' compassion and see how beautiful it is that if we ourselves judge, it's going to block compassion. Now, I know some of you are already bristling in your seats. You're going, Anthony, there is a place for judging. Judging is a good thing. Don't be like everybody on BuzzFeed and say judging is bad. And, and I get that, but here's what I want to say to that. Yes, there is a place for judging in, in, in the body of Christ, in the church. Think through Matthew 18, where Jesus talks through conflict resolution, or 1 Corinthians 5, with some heavy words from Paul on, on addressing uh, different sins and things going on in the church. And so there is a place for judging in the church. But here's what I want you to hear. Hear this part especially. You cannot judge in the church unless you are loving in the church. Good and right judgments can only happen when you are loving. It, good and right judgments can only happen in the context of love. And I mean biblical love, which we don't have time to talk about right now, but biblical love. But when we judge outside of compassion, when we judge outside of love, what we're going to see is that it blocks compassion and it leads to people feeling inhuman and used and degraded. And that's what happened to a character in today's story. And so let's look at John chapter 9. We're going to see some of Jesus' compassion and we're going to also see how our Judging can block that compassion at times. So John chapter 9, if you have your Bibles. We're going to try to get through a whole chapter of the Bible today. Pray for me. So I think we'll be able to do it. So John chapter 9, verse 1, says this. As he passed by, that's Jesus... As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So we see Jesus walking by, and what happens? This is one of you can answer. He sees, a blind man. sees a blind man. It's easier than you think. He sees a man born blind. Sometimes I'm going to ask you real obvious questions because I want you to notice Jesus and what he's doing. So Jesus sees a man who had been born blind, right? He sees a man who had been born blind. Take notice of that. In the Gospels, there's 33 different instances where the Gospel writer wrote specifically that Jesus looked at someone 
or saw someone or noticed them. It uses that language of Jesus looked at them or Jesus saw them 33 times. That's significant. What that means is Jesus stops and looks at people. What that means is people were in Jesus' eyes. He looked at people because he loved them, because he cared about them. So, verse 2, though, we see how the disciples see this man. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? We'll stop there. So the disciples see this man who had been born blind, and they don't see a person who had been hurt by the brokenness of the world, but what they see is a theological problem. They see an object. They say, hey, this guy was born blind, and their worldview at the time was, if suffering happened to you, you must have did something to offend God, and so God was punishing you in some way. Or if suffering was happening to you, it's because you yourself sinned and, and met those consequences. And so they saw this man who had been born blind, and they said, how is this possible? Did he sin in the womb, or did his parents sin? And, and so they saw this man, instead of trying to understand this man and what he was going through, all they saw was a theological problem. And no, the disciples asked Jesus about him. So the disciples watched Jesus as Jesus looked at this man. Now let's see how Jesus answers their question in word and deed. Verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. So Jesus answers their question, and he essentially says, it's a little bit more complicated than that, guys. It's more complicated than that. In this particular instance, I want to use this man to give glory to the Father, to show who God is and how the Father wants to redeem all brokenness. But it's more complicated than, did this man sin or did his parents sin? The answer to suffering isn't always punishment. And so then Jesus does something strange. He spits in the dirt, makes mud. And I always like to, how much spit did it have to be? <laughs> Jesus was a professional loogier, I think. Or hopefully it wasn't loogie. But he, uh, uh, sorry, I, I repent. Um, so he's making mud. And if you read this passage, every commentator, every commentator is like, yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> every commentator. And they have different ideas, but we don't know exactly why Jesus was doing this. But here's what I think Jesus was doing. Now, our creation story, the true creation story, God reaches down into the dirt to create Adam, to make this creation. He reaches down into the dirt. 
And I can't help but think that as Jesus reached down into the dirt and made mud to put on this man's eyes, that that imagery would come to mind. This imagery of, of God's hands creating. And Jesus almost saying, I am creating something new here. I don't know. But I think that might have been what he's doing. And so he puts the mud on this man's eyes. And the man goes away. He washes in the pool of Siloam. And he comes back seen. This is incredible. This is an incredible thing that Jesus did. Now, before we go on, and we're going to look at how other characters in the story, true, real people, I'm just saying characters because that's helpful, how people react to this miracle, and it can be very easy for us to judge them. It can be very easy for us to go, I would never have done that. I would not have treated this man like a theological problem. And one, I would say, maybe that's because Jesus has so affected the world that you view people with disabilities uh, better than they did in the first century. But I'd also say we should be a little bit convicted as the church. I've grown up in the church, and sure, I've been in churches and in in places that have um, part of the body, people with disabilities, but it's, it's kind of seldom. And there might be a lot of reasons for that. But I just wonder if we're not that different than the disciples. We're not that different than these that see this man who is born blind as an object. All right? So Jesus heals this man, and now let's watch everybody's reactions because it's fun. Verse 8 says this. The neighbors... And those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. Getting used to this sight thing. And so this, this that was, I repent. I, I, so the people that see him, uh, they even treated him like an object. You can see that clearly, right? Because they're going, is, is, this, is this him? Is this the guy that sits and begs and is blind? And they're going, nah, it kind of looks like him. I'm not sure. And some are like, no, no, that's for sure him. And, and then meanwhile, he's going, no, it's me, cheap Dave, giving me nickels every day. Like that, he, he knows. Now I can put a, a face to the voice. Like, that's messed up, dude. And so he's, he's just sitting there going, yeah, it's me. And they're, they're going, and they say, what happened? He said, well, Jesus healed me. And they said, well, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And so for them, this, this guy, what we're seeing is he is also a theological problem for them. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? 
and there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. So the people are unsure how this man could just see all of a sudden. And so they bring this man to their religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they say, how is this possible? And the Pharisees, right away, they do not see a man to have compassion on, to rejoice that he could see, but they see a theological problem. They say, hey, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do stuff like that on Saturdays. And I'm pretty sure you could read all of Leviticus. You're not going to find a verse that says, don't heal people on the Sabbath. And furthermore, you're not going to find a verse that says, if you're the son of God, don't heal people on the Sabbath. And yet they're confused and they're going, what? so this was like this man-made rule that they had. The Sabbath, yes, it was important, but they kind of twisted it and made it this horrible, burdensome thing. And so the, the Pharisees aren't sure, and they say to the man who had been born blind and who now can see. They say to him, okay, what do you think of this guy that healed you? What do you think of this Jesus? And the man says, he is a prophet, clearly. They didn't like that answer. So we see their reaction in verse 17, or 18, actually. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So, they don't believe him. He's creating just a deeper theological problem for them. So he, they go to the parents of this person, and and they say, hey, is this your son? And they go, yep. And they say, hey, was he born blind? Yep. How did this happen? Who did this? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. They had this fear in them. They had this fear in them about what the Pharisees could do to them if they confessed that Jesus was the Christ. Rather than being overjoyed to see that their son could now see, they feared man. And I think that they kind of gave up on their son years ago. I think they're, twice, they kind of just coldly say, he's of age, ask him. And, and the reason I think this is because what we know from the story was this man was a beggar. Now, if he had lived with his parents, he probably wouldn't have been a beggar. I, I don't know if this is true. This is just my own conjecture on, on the text. But I, I wonder if at 13, which was becoming an adult man in that time and place. They just cast him out. They said, we can't take care of you anymore. You can't help our family being that you're blind. Go and beg. And so for the rest of his days until he met Jesus, he was sitting in his same neighborhood begging as his parents coldly 
looked on. And so they say, go ask him. And so the Pharisees say, the Pharisees say, okay, we'll ask him again. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. They're saying, we know Jesus is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Now, before I go on to the text, that's another way of saying a cuss that I won't say here, but they were calling Jesus fatherless, so they had looked into it. Let's keep going. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. So they ask him again. They try to dive deeper into the theological problem that they see. And before I go on, a couple questions for us. This far into the Pharisees' interactions with the man who had been born blind, this far into it, what do the Pharisees think of this man? What's that? Sinner. They say that outright. What else do you think they think of him? The way that they're treating him. Unworthy. Unworthy. He's a liar. He's inferior. An imposter, possibly. They were, is this really your son? All of these things. They don't hold him up to who he really is. They have all of these judging thoughts about him and have yet to marvel at this miracle. Now, what is the blind man like? What is he really like? He's bold, right? What else? He's frustrated. He's like, well, I've, I've shared this story. I can see now, guys. Grateful. He knows God. What else? Trusting? He is. How about hilarious? Isn't he hilarious? He, he just got his sight back. All this craziness has happened, and he's still got some great wit going about him, right? He's saying, hey, you're asking me so much. Do you want to become his disciples too? They did not like that. They did not like that at all. He, he has integrity, right? They're like, they're doing everything they can to say, hey, denounce Jesus. Hey, denounce Jesus. And he's going, I can see now. I'm good. <laughs> and then what they do at the end of the story it says that they cast him out. Now, this means that he got excommunicated from the synagogue. 
Only he didn't go through the formal process of excommunication. So there was a process to excommunicate someone from the synagogue and say, hey, essentially, you're, you're not part of the people of God. You're, you're not Jewish anymore. There was a process for it. And yet they, to this man, didn't like his sarcasm, wit, and truth, and honesty. And so they cast him out. And again, this man has been oppressed. Again, this man has been cast out. Again, think how hard that might have been for him. Now, again, we don't know if his parents cast him out, but we're pretty sure. So he had to deal with the trauma of being cast out by his parents, and now he's being cast out from the synagogue, which basically was like casting him off from society. And now let's look and see what Jesus does. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out and having found him. What did Jesus hear? It's obvious. What did Jesus hear? That they threw him out. out. What did Jesus do? He found him. Jesus gave this man sight. And he's doing ministry or he's away or something. We don't know what. But Jesus, it gets back to his ears that this man has been cast out of the synagogue. And Jesus' compassion doesn't cause him to stay still. He goes and he finds him. And I can't help but think that Jesus knew that this man had been cast out before and he did not want this man to experience what it would be like to be cast out once again. So Jesus goes and finds him. And he says this in verse 38. Or 35, sorry. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, this is the man who had been born blind. And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So Jesus finds this man who had been cast out many, many times and reveals to him that he is the son of man, which was a big deal in that text and we talked a bit about it last week. But I want you guys to do something. Go to verse five. Go to verse five of the same chapter, chapter nine. And what does Jesus say about himself? Who does he say he is? The light of the world. The light of the world. Antoinette killing it today with the answers. Good job. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. Now, if I said, if I got up here, I said, hey, friends, I am the light of the world, what would you guys think about me? You can be honest. <laughs> crazy as we thought. Wow, that one hurts. Um, <laughs> crazy. Some thought, kidding. I'm joking around. We, if someone said that to us, we would say, this, uh, this person's mistaken. <laughs> they need some help, and I'd love to help them, but they are not the light of the world. And so Jesus says this, and sometimes we gloss over it. But this, was a, this would have been a, a kind of crazy statement. But then all through the rest of chapter 9, we see Jesus being the light of the world. 
Jesus is the light of the world to the disciples because he's showing them that this man is more than a theological problem. He is a light uh, to the world in that this man who had been born blind, he gives him the ability to see light. And he's, furthermore, when this man is cast out, I, I think he, Jesus was giving the Pharisees a chance to guide this man rightly. But when, he, when they didn't, Jesus showed this man that, that he is the light of the world in a spiritual sense as well. And showed this man that, that Jesus truly is the light and hope of the world, saying that all darkness in the world, I'm going to come in, Jesus, and take care of it. I am going to shed light on the dark places of this world. And I even think Jesus was trying to be a light to the Pharisees. Verse 39 says this. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. It's kind of confusing what Jesus is saying here. So he finds the man who'd been born blind. The Pharisees are nearby, so as he's talking to this man, the Pharisees hear it, and Jesus says, For judgment, I came into this world. I think what Jesus is saying is saying, I'm here to judge. You guys do not need to worry about judging. I am here to judge. Now, Jesus does want us to make right and good judgments, but remember, in the context of love, not these sort of bizarre, wrong judgments outside of compassion. And so the Pharisees hear Jesus they hear him saying this stuff. And they go, so do you think we're blind too, spiritually? They knew he was talking spiritually. And Jesus' response, confusing, he's basically saying, listen, you guys are blind. But I wish you would know that. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, yes, you guys are blind. But you don't think you are. You think you see. You think you know it all. And until you understand how much you need me, how much I truly am the light of the world, you're going to still be blind, spiritually speaking. And Jesus is saying, until you can see yourself like this man, you're not going to get me. You're not going to understand me. Jesus is the light of the world. And we see his movements of compassionate love. And unfortunately, if we begin to judge, like the disciples, like the Pharisees, like his neighbors, it's going to block compassion in us. What's worse is I think it's going to block us from seeing where Jesus is moving. It's going to stop us from, from seeing what Jesus is doing with people that we would never expect him to do things with. Judging blocks the compassion that God has for this world, that he has for people. And so church, we need to repent. We need to understand 
that we can only judge rightly when it's in the context of love. And for those of us in the room, let's say things like, it's hard for me to feel compassionate for this person or that person or this person. My question to you would be, do you really see Jesus as the light of your world? Do you really see that? Do you really see that you were blind and God has caused you to see? Because if you don't, then that's why you don't have compassion. There's probably other reasons too, but that is probably one of the big ones. Judging blocks compassion. We need to see that Jesus has opened our eyes and caused us to see him as the light of the world. Right? He was, he's a light showing us that only he is righteous. Many of us think we are righteous enough or we are good enough. Jesus was a light to the world showing the whole world that we're not good enough. That we're not perfect. That there is sin in our hearts, but not in Jesus' heart. Jesus was a light to the world to show us that, that our sin needed punishment, so he took on that punishment. He's, he's a light showing us how serious our sin is, even though we balk at that idea, and we don't want to believe that about Jesus. We don't want to believe that he would have to die on the cross for our sins because we're blind, and we don't see how very serious our sin is. And Jesus was a light to the world when he resurrected saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to resurrect my people, and they're going to live with me forever. In the meantime, I'm doing the work of the Father and making all of creation new. Jesus is a light to the world, and we need to see him as that, and where we are blind, we need to repent. And some of us just need to realize that we're blind. Because our hearts are hardened by judgment. And we're choosing not to see people the way that Jesus sees people. Let's pray, church. God, we love you and we need you. The, the gospels are astounding to me, God. It's astounding to see Jesus' movements and how much that shows who he is. It's incredible, really, God. God, thank you for that. Thank you for showing us that. God, help us to slow down and see that. God, I want to pray for, for us. God, many of us in here are blind in different ways. Some of us are completely blind. Some of us, I think, are partially blind because we've allowed this judgment, this uh, evil self-righteousness to come into our lives. And God, first I ask that you show us how to repent from that properly, to turn to you instead. And then God, would you open our eyes? Open our eyes, God. We cannot heal ourselves Son of David, put spiritual mud on our eyes and cause them to be clean. Help us to see you as the light of the world. Help us to know you better. God, thank you for finding us when we've been cast out. God, we love you and we need you. Amen.